0: Our reading today is from the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 1 through 18. Uh, Please open that up in your Bibles or your smartphones. That is page 1006 in the Pew Bible. And once you have that open, please stand for the word of God. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, It can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered, since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins." offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering has he perfected for all time those who are being sanctified.
1: Well, good morning, everyone. So glad that you have joined us in worship this morning, giving honor to God the Father, Almighty, and His precious Son, Jesus Christ, and to uh, the Holy Spirit, whom He did pour out to form His church and make us believers, of whom the children will learn about today. And also uh, giving thanks for the return of Pastor Gerald back to his duties. I already said to Pastor Gerald, I'm so thankful that he does his work well and faithfully, making our jobs much easier. And it was such a joy to walk in here today and to see um, his face. Not sure if he stayed with us for uh, this service, and again with thanks to the elders for allowing me to share in this way and to all of you, thank you for all your prayers while we were gone and away I so appreciate them, but it's so good to be back among you and uh, so grateful to be here um, today now all that's out the way. I know you didn't need all that. Uh, That's not what you're here for. You're here for the Word of God. So let us turn uh, to the Lord in prayer, and then let's get right into the book. Father, we again are so thankful that we are the children of God because you have sent your Son into the world and have loved us in that way. Thank you for revealing yourself through the Son, through the Word of God, by the power of the Spirit. Thank you that we have the book so that we might know you and that we might understand your will and how to please you, and that your Word gives us all the hope of beholding your face and seeing you in all of your glory. Oh, while we are here, God, find us faithful. Give us grace and mercy. Use today's service. Use our fellowship with the saints. Use the singing of the songs. Use the message today to fuel our zeal and our courage for you. Make us instruments of blessing to magnify your name in Oak Park, all of the region of Chicagoland and the 77 divisions that make up Chicago and all over the state and the country. Yay, make us a blessing to the places where we have partners around the world, especially where the name of Jesus is not yet known. Would you, God, with power make the gospel go forth so that eyes will be opened the first time to Jesus Christ, that we could hear of many people in foreign lands who are under false religions or have not called on your name at all, To hear that they are bowing in salvation to Christ, it will be all of grace. Now, bless us, God. We need to hear from you. So give me power, great power to speak, and give us great power to hear and to be obedient. We love you, Lord Jesus, and thank you so much for all you have done for us. Bless us now and give us your grace, and we give you thanks. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You are feeling angry with God. You might not say those exact words, but your attitude and feelings show it for those of you who are in that situation. Instead, you might simply say that things are not fair right now, or that life is not fair, or the way you are being treated is not fair what you are really saying is that God is not being fair right now. And the feeling that comes with unfair treatment is anger, hatred, rage, resentment, and eventually bitterness. In that season in which you are angry with God, for some of you, zeal for God goes on vacation. And faithfulness to God turns out to have been a bargaining agreement for a good life now that life is not so good faithful practice of the christian life sits in suspended animation waiting for god to return to you the income job spouse house ministry church friends or friends or the good name you had before the tide of unfairness came and washed all of that out to sea God you say you can have back faithfulness from me when you return to me what I deserve to enjoy is what your actions and attitude are saying yet because you have some sense of the fear of God in you, you do not walk away from God completely. You still make it to church like today because it is right to go to church. And of course, it's right to put your children in Awana or one of the youth groups. You still show up to the place where your team or ministry meets so that you can fulfill a duty and indicate that you are participating. Okay, God, see, I'm here. But you really are not feeling it. And you would rather not be there. Then it happens. Rather than getting vindication, another sinkhole opens up and swallows you. And now you have warfare on two fronts. It's not one child with an issue, but two. Or a parent and a child. Or job and home. Or loss of help and loss of friends at the same time. The weight of the first injustice was painful, yet you still had a few habits of your faith. But in the wake of this second campaign of trials, you start biting off the heads of those who love you or wondering why you are even serving the Lord or giving up on all faith practices except showing up here and maybe saying a few prayers over your meal. You might even forget about opening the scriptures daily because you are not hearing from God the way you would like to hear from him at this time. So then the church attendance, the kid drop off, and showing your face in the meeting could not bear the weight of the additional trial or trials because those things were just rituals. Rituals. They seem sufficient to appease God for us and make us holy. That is, until they are revealed for what they really are. And usually that revelation comes at the expense of deep pain and sorrow. What we were offering to God as enough to say that we still believe in him and we still love you, God, despite our pain, we now found empty to actually do anything to help us live for God in the face of even greater troubles the hebrews were tempted to run to rituals to save them when it became too hard to live the christian life when persecution for being a christian made them want to abandon jesus for the socially acceptable jewish religious system however The Hebrew's writer shows them that they need something greater than the religious rituals and practices to save them. They and we do not need rituals. They and we need to see why Christ said, a body you have prepared for me. Rituals cannot save because they are just shadows or souvenirs. This is what the writer is getting it at in chapter 10 and verse 1. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of this, these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year make perfect those who draw near. But in verse 3 he says, But in these sacrifices there, re- there is a reminder of sins every year. When the author speaks of the year after year sacrifice that is a shadow, it seems to be a reference specifically to the day of atonement on the Jewish calendar, even though we do know that the entire law is a shadow. By shadow, He means that the practice of bringing the animals for sacrifice and presenting them before God, the religious ritual, only reflects a greater reality and is not the reality itself. This, for the Jewish believer, should have been obvious because the very existence of a daily, weekly, Monthly or yearly practice means that the practice never sufficiently makes the one practicing it holy. The best the practice can do is remind you of just how sinful you are since you have to keep coming back with the same practice for more cleansing. The annual day of atonement was only a reflection of the actual day that Christ The final sacrifice would atone, would cover for all time sin by paying for it with his death on the cross for us. Rituals are like buying the cheaper laundry detergent or the cheaper tile and bath cleaner when it's on sale only to find that it does not clean as well and you have to go back again and again over the same spots. You then say to yourself, Why didn't I just spend the extra money and get a product that would do the job the first time? Never again will I buy this one. Yet, with rituals, we just keep buying them again and again even though the same spots remain on our souls. Slitting the throat of a goat or a bull cannot take away sin and make you holy permanently, says the passage, no ritual can. So why is it that the blood of animals cannot take away sin, especially if God is the one that prescribed that they should take the animals and make offerings? A New Testament scholar named Dodd asked, and he simply concludes, quote, "...there is no relationship between the physical blood of animals and man's moral offense." Later, the late Anglican scholar Philip Hughes says of Dodds that Dodds might as well have added that there is no relation between animals and human beings that would permit the former to atone somehow for the latter. The, boat and the, go- the bull excuse me, and the goat did not sin. They are not unholy. We are unholy before God. God granted them as substitutes by grace for ancient Jewish people. But the problem is not between the bull and God. The problem is between us and God. So ultimately, we need a final means of being cleansed from sin forever before God. Any religious practice that we have to do repeatedly will not fit that bill very subtly in practice. We seem to think to ourselves that we can manage to be sanctified in our own power. We might recite prayers, show up for church on special days, or even send money to church without our showing up there. We might treat people nicely, expecting God to be impressed. But when exactly is that ladder to God built if it is not built within the first 10 years of sacrificing? Is it built in 20 years? Is it built in 40 years? Is it built in 60? Or is it built in 80 years? Never is the right answer. All those acts only point to an all-sufficient Christ, and they are just like the souvenirs that I just got on my trip overseas last weekend to remind me that I already once went to that place. These souvenirs remind me that I once sinned before and I am back here again because I have sinned again. They are only shadows and souvenirs. So rituals cannot save. And because rituals cannot save, Christ became an embodied Savior. The Hebrews writer will quote from Psalm 40 to bolster his argument for the impotence of rituals and the power of Christ's bodily sacrifice alone. You see the quote right in there beginning in verse 5. Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you prepared, have you prepared for me? In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I've come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Interestingly and rightly, he places the words from the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, on the lips of Christ, where it says, consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said. So he put Psalm 40 from the Old Testament in the mouth of Christ. In the incarnation into this world, Jesus, like the psalm writer, recognizes that the mere performance of sacrifices of animals and of grains to be burned did not bring any pleasure to God. God did Look down with a smile upon religious practice done by faith in him. We know this because of the references to such practices being a sweet-smelling aroma to God to let him know that a life had been taken to pay the penalty for sin or sins. But the sacrifices merited nothing and met nothing if only an external act without internal faith and fear of the Almighty God. Instead of another burnt offering, Christ says, a body you have prepared for me. And in that body, he says, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. Now, rather than a body have you prepared for me or you are prepared for me, the Hebrew of Psalm 40 actually says, an ear you have hallowed out for me. I'm saying this for all you Pew scholars who are going to check me on that note you have in your Bible there. But... The ancient Jewish translators of the Hebrew Bible into Greek, which occurred about 125 to 250 years before the birth of Christ, they translated the phrase, an ear you have hollowed out for me, as a body you have prepared for me. They recognized that the hollowing out of an ear to hear the words of God meant the creation of a body. The hearing of the words of God intended obedience to the words of God. So the making of a body also intended obedience to God. It intended doing the will of God, hence we have our translation and our quote from Psalm 40. It was the decree of God for Christ in his body to render null all animal sacrifices and to sanctify us once and for all by providing God's righteousness in his body and taking the wrath of God against sin in his body on the cross. It was a person in place for the sins committed by people. It was not a bull in place of people, a bull that could not be held morally culpable or morally accountable for the sins of people who are wrong. It was a person in place of people. The entirety of the Old Testament scrolls or book testify to Christ's coming as the end all, be all, do all, sacrifice for God on our behalf. With the NBA Finals on the line for the Golden State Dynasty. I have no dog in that fight, by the way. We have entered the greatest time of year for the armchair quarterback, pitcher, point guard, or goalie. We say from our seats, why didn't he block out? Why did he take that shot? Why did he call that play or why did he put him in the game? Why did the ref make that call and why don't they play Durant? Well, okay, we all know Durant is injured. But as we all know, when you actually put your body on the floor and dribble the ball or call the fouls with 10 big athletic bodies on the floor, it is much different than sitting above the whole court and watching the game with buffalo wings and nachos at hand. Talking about what we would have done. We wouldn't have done anything.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it's one thing for us to bring our efforts to God, but all just try harder ideas Betray that we are not resting on Christ and the work he did in his body Feeling inadequate as a husband or a wife Or parent or as a child or even as a manager will not be cured by Striving more by adding attendance at a second or third Bible study or by volunteering to serve in another ministry We cannot grind out holiness, adequacy, or strength before God. So the next time someone tries to spur you out of feeling weak by saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, first tell them, that's stupid, shut up. Then remember that even if it makes you seem stronger, it will not make you holy. Christ in his body has done the work of making us holy. He is the lamb without spot or blemish. He is the final burnt offering and sin offering. He did God's will perfectly on our behalf. He had the body prepared to do the will of God to sanctify us in a way that rituals never can do. Rituals cannot save. They're just shadows or souvenirs. So Christ became an embodied savior. And because rituals cannot save, we are able to see more clearly that Christ completed his work and sat down in contrast to the performance of rituals. (laughs) Excuse me. Down in verses 10 of verses 11 through 18, and I will not read the whole thing, We get some of this when we hear the writer say, and every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet, for by a single offering he has perfected. for all time those who are being sanctified. If ever there was a job that must have been unfulfilling, it had to have been being an Old Testament ironic priest. I mean, think about this for a second. You talk about a monotonous, no real product, thankless job. They were covered in blood. They were cutting up this. Roasting that, waving this before God, examining that thing for leprosy, and had to keep doing it until the days of their service ended without ever actually making the people holy with any sense of finality. So to speak, the washing machine was never built. The flooring for that building was never finished. The students never graduated and found jobs. The company never had a product to make it to market. They never got closer to a cure in the lab. And they never had an audience find their performances to be a success. Then comes Jesus in his body. And in one act, he does what generations of priests for 1,400 years could not do with scores of scores of scores of rituals. He gives his life rises from the dead and defeats death, then ascends to the right hand of God and sits down because his work is done with that one act. According to the allusion to Psalm 110.1, he sits down as King David's Lord and a priest in the order of Melchizedek. The illusions help us see why we need to trust the bodily work of Christ on the cross over ritualistic practices. Two reasons. First, he is waiting for the destruction of his enemies. Again, it says in verse 13, waiting for that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet right out of Psalm 110. He is waiting for the day when his enemies will be crushed under him and he can just rest his feet on their backs, their heads, their necks. So if you decide to leave Jesus because you are angry with how he is handling your life right now, you also have to handle your own vindication. This is why so many people bite off the heads of total strangers in social media. The seeking of our own vindication in posts shows that we are following an earthly priesthood. We are making people pay for their social media sins daily rather than sitting with Jesus until our enemies are made his footstool. We want them to perform rituals to appease us. And we are doing rituals to assage our injustice wounds. We do the same thing when we try to make our family members or institutions that have wronged us feel what we felt when we are wronged by them. But those who follow jesus priesthood rest and wait with their high priest. He is waiting for the day when his enemies and our enemies will be made a footstool for his feet. So don't worry. Just keep waiting. Jesus has something for your enemy. You will see. Second, he has qualified completely the believer to stand before God. So you and I... We are not trying to sanctify ourselves. The writer even says that the Holy Spirit verifies this truth with his words of the new covenant in Jeremiah 31. When God says... That he will remember their sins and lawless deeds no more. That means that something will be done that the Jewish priests could not do because they could not do a no more act. They could only perform rituals that would bring people back again and again and again at least once every year. So it means that again the words no more point to Christ who will provide forgiveness in such a way that no one ever needed again to even think about running to a priest with a bull or goat in hand. However, while we have been forgiven of sin forever, we must follow the moral law here with effort, for the law is not yet written on our hearts permanently. It will be written on our hearts one day, but it is not written on our hearts yet. The eternal security of the final forgiveness of believers does not, therefore, give us a license to sin. It does not give us a license to be slack in fighting to be righteous in speech, in motives, in goals, and in acts. Now, this is a tricky thing. For it is easy for this to sound like I am contradicting myself. For on one hand, I've said here that rituals do not mean uh, anything and we need the body of Christ himself. On the other hand, I have just said here that we need to have effort to follow because we have to obey the moral law. So how do we not contradict ourselves here in what scripture teaches? Let me explain. If you think making it to church this morning is going to make you have a better relationship with the Lord, you are right. Because you are being obedient to gather together with God's people. However, if you think that missing church today would hinder your relationship with God or make your week go badly, you are wrong. For you are thinking your effort is what makes the Lord bless you. The Lord does not bless on the basis of our efforts. He blesses by grace and our being here is by grace. Now does grace mean I do nothing? No. It means our something is by grace and our nothing will be a recipient of God's grace. We are not upholding ourselves or our lives or our relationship with the Lord. The Lord is upholding your life and your relationship with him. The rituals we do, whether that is our daily quiet time or baptisms or even the Lord's Supper, are not meriting blessings for us. They are simply acts of dependency upon Christ reflecting the work of Christ, pointing to the gospel of Christ, and are resting on the mercy of Christ alone. So may I appeal to you who are unbelievers in our midst today? Can you stop living the lie that says you can live your life however you want before God? Do a few religious acts over the course of your life, then think you will end up in a better place upon your death? Your human goodness is sufficient to win awards and applause from all the rest of us, and we appreciate all your good acts. We're glad that you're not a loud citizen living next door to us, always causing trouble. We do appreciate that, believe me. (laughs) However... If you rely on the ritual of just being a good and productive citizen and never trust the work that God accepts from His Son, Jesus Christ, His very divine Son, you are not going to wind up in a happier place. Instead, you are going to keep presenting your inadequate rituals to God and wind up under the wrath of God because you have rejected his son. Moreover, your rituals are not doing anything for you now to gain the power of God. So please, let's stop it with the rituals and trust Christ. You will find also that if you trust Christ, that your anger against God and people will go away too. While I was in Israel last week, there was a 112-degree day in an area in which there there were no places to find shade. So Pam joked with me and said, you can be my shade, meaning... Eric, stand in front of the sun and block it for me. Yes, like I'm some palm tree at five foot eight and can really block out the sun and provide shade for her. But, you know, I did stand in front of her enough to block out about that much sun. (laughs) The reality is, though, that it was not me who would be the shade, but my shadow. The thing created where I blocked out the sun. However, it also would not be right to say that my shadow was providing the shade. I was blocking the light, so I was providing the shade. Without me, there would be no shadow. The shadow would not exist without my reality. And if it tried to make shade of its own, it would be useless to do so. The ritual's you and I perform to make life work in the present world are just shadows. Perfected parenting is a shadow. Tutoring children, shadow. Fasting for three days, still a shadow. Confessing sin, an absolutely necessary shadow. They are providing limited reflections of our sanctification, but they are not sanctifying us. Christ is the one who is sanctifying us. They are the things that reflect Christ, the bodily reality who casts the shadow, who stands between us and God to shade us from the very wrath of God, to vanquish our foes, to forgive us of our sins, and to sanctify us forever before God. In a body prepared, he did that for us. So let us now go out and celebrate what he did in his body for us, remembering the rituals that we do just reflective of all he has already done. Father, we bless you for your kindness toward us and the joy that we have in Christ, that we are given grace to do the rituals that remind us of our insufficiencies, our inadequacies, our impotence, and our need for Savior. Thank you so much for preparing a body in which Jesus could live in perfect righteousness, be nailed to a cross, experience the full wrath of God, be buried in a tomb, get up from the dead, and sit at your right hand as Lord. We look forward to the day he will come and sanctify us fully and forever. In the meantime, continue to give us grace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.